0: Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. Hello, hello, and welcome to the movie trap. My name is Russell Carlson, and joined with me are my co hosts, Chris Porath. I don't like fish. <laughs> and my other co host, Zach Power.
1: Because Michelle had to die. <laughs> As the chicks would say.
0: That's right. Um. <laughs> On the movie trap, uh, each of us pick a movie based on a singular theme. And then at the end, when we watch all three movies, which you are in the episode right now, we will vote on which one was the best movie. Uh, this particular theme's interesting because we are uh, right in our Halloween episode. You should be, we're recording this a little early, so we should be right in the throes of the spooky time and Halloween
1: time. Mm-hmm, it's probably mid-October mm-hmm. where uh, right. where you, the listener, are, if you're listening right. day and date
0: correct and uh yeah we have gotten our our theme this year was chosen at random so no host chose a theme and it was horror movies from before or on 1959 uh you are in the third episode which would be zach powers pick uh previously on the movie trap uh the last episode we just watched uh my pick which was the old dark house uh boris karloff james whale that was fun and then before that we watched the very uh, strangely titled curse of the cat people which was chris borif's pick um real quick rundown of the points because as i said at the beginning we each get 10 points but we have bonus points to give out so let's get a rundown of those points real quick shall we all hmm. right chris borif you have two more bonus points to give out with 11 points at final voting i have one more bonus point to give out with 11 points at final voting and zach powers you have two bonus points with 12 points at final voting so,
1: you got a lot of points
0: yeah 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 actually it's it's been pretty we've been pretty uh pretty withholding stingy. yeah mm-hmm. yeah look at us getting off
2: well uh, i mean i you know it's been a little bit of a dry spell with some of the movies we've been watching so yeah, maybe I, this one will inspire us to make it rain a little bit
0: probably yeah let's make it rain or uh as they say in the french uh i can't speak french so
1: uh zach powers i know that in <laughs> spain the rain falls mainly on the plane i know france uh, i'm uncertain yeah yeah, right it probably falls <sighs>
0: everywhere really um but definitely maybe in a bathtub or hmm. in a very dirty swimming pool anyway um uh so zach Ch- powers shows 1955's le diable league i think uh, is this technically... Well, no, we watched Border, but I would say this is one of our first, like, actual foreign films that we've watched, and we haven't watched too many of them on the that's
1: podcast. That's true. Um, yeah, I'd have to go through to think of... it. Uh, yeah,
0: This and Border, I think, are actually only true blue foreign films. This is certainly yeah. our first Unless, double
1: yeah. whammy, black and white and foreign.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and and French New Wave, too. So, hee-haw. All righty, Zach. So, uh, without further ado... Uh, why don't we get into the plot synopsis of The Devils or Les Diaboliques?
1: Uh, Les Diaboliques, or just Diabolique in the United States, uh, is a 1955 French film uh, directed by Henri-Georges Clouseau. Uh, it stars Simone... C- All right, I'm going to... Some of these French names are not going to come out right. Just deal with it, people. I did not take... French is not one of the ones I took. Uh, it stars... Simone uh, C- Signore, Vera Clouse, Clouseau, the wife of the director, uh, Paul Monsieur. Um, and it's based on a novel called, in English, She Who Was No More, uh, by Pierre Boulot and Thomas Narejac, something like that. Um, regardless, uh, this is the story of a uh, cruel headmaster, at a boarding school in france uh this man has a demure uh sickly wife and a much more uh abrasive sort of stand up for herself mistress um both of whom he seemingly mistreats horribly his name is Michel de la salle um his wife is christina and the mistress is nicole uh Eventually, it's pretty clearly and immediately shown that he has basically no regard for anybody. He mistreats the employees at the school, forcing them to give up their vacations on a whim. He, uh, you know, heaps uh, cruel punishment on the children and barely feeds them because he doesn't want to pay for food. Um, He beats his mistress. She's first shown with uh, sunglasses covering a bruised eye. Uh, He forces his wife to eat rotten fish. And, uh, you know, clearly seems to either abuse or sexually assault her as well, while obviously also constantly cheating on her. Um, so this guy is basically uh, a real piece of shit. Um, <laughs> yes. yes uh, the uh,
2: the actor also uh, in real life was married to Edith Pilaf. No.
1: Oh! Or Piaf, excuse Piaf. me. Piaf. Not Piaf,
0: yeah. not Rice Pilaf. But... <laughs>
1: I did not. I missed that. That's a fun oh, little uh, piece of trivia. A, yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Well, uh, I did. You're getting my point. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, all right. That's uh, maybe the fastest we've ever given one. That's okay. Not- um, <laughs> regardless, uh, Nicole and Christina, far from sort of resenting each other uh, for you know uh, splitting uh, Michelle's quote unquote affections, seem to commiserate with each other over their shared horrific experiences with the man. And Nicole seems to be pushing Christina into a scheme she's concocted to poison Michelle, um, at her apartment. Christina, a uh, Christian woman, God-fearing, seems somewhat uh, reticent, um, but his continued mistreatment, including a scene where he forces her to eat raw fish and then seemingly afterwards, possibly sexually assaults her or beats her. It's unclear, the scene cuts off. finally makes her snap and she agrees, uh, just before a long weekend to go along with this plan. So, uh, what they do then is they, uh, they run in, they run to Chris, uh, Nicole's apartment in a town called New York, um, without telling uh, Michelle ahead of time, as soon as he's discovered what's goes on, he decides to follow them there, but they have set the trap in, uh, Nicole's apartment. Um, they have put some poisoned wine at the ready for him when he arrives, uh, with the pretense that Christina will say that she is going to try and divorce him. Uh at that point, uh, you know, they'll move on to the is, second phase. Go ahead.
2: Is that wine or is that Johnny Walker?
0: I think that's Johnny Walker, homie. That definitely, that label, oh. I recognize it anywhere. anywhere.
1: Okay, Johnny I mean, it's Walker, French. then it's you with... assume they
0: be drinking wine, <laughs> I guess, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, my mistake. Okay. Regardless, it's poisoned, is the main thing. Um, So, uh, uh, as expected, he arrives at the apartment. Uh, Nicole hangs out with uh, an elderly couple who seems to share the apartment with her because she's not very rich. Um, And uh, Christina, uh, again, is sort of relenting from this idea. She tells him she's planning to get a divorce, that she has a lawyer. Michelle sees through this and gets her to, you know, quickly realizes she has no lawyer. Um, but uh, she has a change of, uh, change of heart and smacks the Johnny Walker out of his hand before he can drink it. He reacts violently, slapping her, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it, and pours him another glass, and he downs three uh, <laughs> in no time flat and is immediately out of it um, and goes down on the bed, at which point uh, Nicole comes in. The two drag him to a bathtub, turn on the water. The pipes are the loudest thing ever. They alert the neighbors. Um, And uh, Nicole drowns him in the bathtub while he is reeling from the poison in the Johnny Walker. Um, Christina uh, sort of passes out from the shock of it all after they wrap him in a tarp and weigh him down with the statue. And the next morning they toss him in a wicker basket and decide to take him back to the school. Uh, Their plan being that they're going to dump him in the pool and make it look like an accident. Maybe he just fell in the pool while he was drunk or some such and drown. Um, On the way, they are accosted by a drunk soldier um, and have a few various flaws in their plans. The neighbors are like, well, this wicker basket's super heavy. We should uh, empty some stuff out and yada, yada, yada. It's almost a weird comedic series of events in some regards. (laughs) There's Uh, a lot of like really like dark humor
2: in this. That's almost yeah. kind of like Alfred Hitchcock. It gets very funny and also very grim at times.
1: Yeah. Like this drunk soldier tries to get into the back of their car and they kick him out. And the owner of the gas station is like, look what he did in the back of your car, implying that he peed in the back of their car, but it's actually water from the corpse theoretically. Um, anyway, <laughs> they managed to get him back to the boarding school and uh, dump his body into the pool um and they assume okay in a few days the corpse will float to the surface we'll say oh god it was a terrible accident and that'll be that he'll be out of our lives but things go awry when the corpse fails to float to the top uh days go by and it stays deep in the pool uh, including uh, uh during a segment where some a ball that the kids are playing with falls into the pool um and uh Nicole, trying to exacerbate, uh, or I mean, uh, speed up the the, locate, the finding of the body, throws these keys to get like a pole to get the ball out. They sink to the bottom, and this kid just jumps in that dirty pool and is like, I'll get them keys,
2: but I'll finds,
1: fine. I love
2: the idea that if that had worked, all she would have done is horrifically scarred not that not child for life. Yeah,
1: right. Very badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the only thing he finds is the lighter. They use this as an excuse to drain the pool ostensibly to find the keys. Christina's nerves are frayed, but Nicole's just like, we just got to go with the plan. We just got to go with the plan. Um, Eventually the pool is, uh, is completely drained and no corpse is found, but a day or two later, a corpse matching Michelle's description is found in the Seine. Uh, so it seems like maybe somehow his body like fell into the nearby Seine. Uh, To put their minds at ease, Christina goes down to the morgue to identify the corpse. The morgue attendant is like, before you see this body, here's a bunch of questions about what his body looks like, which is fucking weird. Um, But it turns out it's not him. It's just a guy.
2: It's like a brief session of that old game, guess who, but with a dead body (laughs) that might be her husband.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He even has like tricks in there. He's like, what's on his upper thigh? And she's like, I don't think there's anything. And then he's like, you're right. There is nothing there. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, turns out it's not, uh, not her husband. It's another guy, um, who kind of looks similar. Um, a detective, a retired detective who happened to be in the area, uh, has overheard all this. A real Columbo type. Yeah, I was gonna is...
0: say, man. I mean, real Columbo
1: yeah. type. Char- Charles Charles Vanel.
2: He is also in Wages of Fear. He plays another seemingly inept character in that as well. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, he uh, another overheard... Clouseau film. That's why I brought it up.
0: Yeah, right. Well, it was well, the one he made prior. Familiar with uh, Wages of Fear? We're very familiar with it, at least with Sorcerer.
1: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, but uh, the nearby the detective, um, Alfred, uh, decides, you know what? I'm going to become involved with the case, um, which uh, is not something the two women had planned on. Uh, when they get back to the boarding school, a boy has been punished for breaking a window. But the conspicuous thing is he says that Mr. D'Alessal was the one who punished him. Uh, everybody thinks the boy is lying or crazy. Uh, He's apparently a pathological liar or something. He says he fought a lion at the zoo. Um, But even still, uh, Christina becomes increasingly upset. She decides she can't join the school photograph because all of this stress is putting a strain on her. But when the school photograph comes back, there is a figure in the window who looks like Mr. De La Salle. Uh, further, further seeming, making it seem like perhaps something supernatural or spooky is going on. Um, Nicole at this point is also uh, losing her nerve and is becoming worried that something strange is going on. She tries to pressure Christina to come back with her to apartment in York or just flee it completely. But Christina thinking they're sinners and they need to confess says you just go, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, Christina eventually confides in the police detective everything that happened, but he doesn't believe her. There's no body. He looks in the pool. There's nothing there. It doesn't quite add up to him. And he tells her to go to sleep for the night, basically, uh, instead of taking her in. But that evening, Christina uh, begins to see a figure wandering around in another part of the school in the windows, and, uh, So she begins to follow, uh, seeing this figure here and there, and eventually coming to a room with a typewriter that had just moments before been clickety-clacking away that has Michelle De La Salle's name written over and over again, uh, at which point someone flicks the lights off and makes a noise, terrified. She runs back to her bedroom, um, you know, clutching her heart. Uh, She goes into the bathroom to get some water, uh, turns to the bathtub, and sees Michelle there drown in the bathtub. And he slowly begins to rise from the tub, uh, causing her to have a heart attack on the spot and seemingly die right there. uh, After which Michelle pops out his fake blank eye contacts and Nicole comes in and it's revealed that the entire time it was a conspiracy between these two to frighten uh to frighten christina to death so that they could inherit the rights to the boarding school sell it and become rich um but unfortunately only moments too late alfred the retired police detective has uh, figured this out and in a very colombo moment is like you wonder what you get you'll probably get 10 to 20 depending on the judge
2: Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, and and I love that he just wanders in and says that with zero backup. Like yeah. old man McGee, long arm of the law. You you just kill the lady, but I'm pretty sure I can take you both in. You seem like good enough people that'll just come with me down to the station. Let's,
0: let's go quietly now.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Um, uh, yeah,
1: There's
0: there's a strange coda at the end
1: too. Yeah, Ooh. and then uh, a little later, uh, the boy, the boy who was. Theoretically a liar who said he had seen uh Michelle sometime earlier, um, has got his slingshot back and is breaking windows again as his his, I guess, his normal routine. Oh. And <laughs> and uh, boy, boy, when, boys. when asked about it, he says Christina was the one that gave his slingshot back. Again, the staff doesn't believe him saying, Well, we all know Christina died. And
0: uh so go stand in a corner for six hours.
1: And then the film ends mm-hmm. with a with a card saying don't be a devil, don't tell your friends what you saw here today because it'll ruin the movie. And that is Diabolique from 1955.
2: Yes, I, I love that it ended with a very classy way of saying snitches get stitches. Yeah. Um, ah. <laughs> just like, don't tell anybody what the ending is.
1: Right. Hashtag your spoilers, kids. <laughs>
0: that's right, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, back when directors were more hands on in their in their marketing. Um, I, 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 I saw it coming. I, Totally saw it coming. Who, who didn't? I, I, totally saw it coming. I mean, once, I mean, we knew something was going to happen. Once they didn't find the body in the in the pool, there's only one explanation for this. Yeah, she didn't dream. Well, I've,
2: that. I've seen this one a couple times. It's always been fun because yeah. it 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 plays that line with um like is this real or is this not real? And it at the end yeah. it's pretty clear. It's like uh, it's a yeah a real thing. It's Meaning like light. you know, They're it reveals light. there's <laughs> it's a gaslight. Person. But, uh, when he gets out of the tub, that is a super uh, uh, scary scene. Well, let me sequence. ask
1: you, Russell, you saw, you, when you, we say you saw it coming. I, I,
0: I, saw it, well, okay, I saw it coming, and, and it's mainly because when you're re- when I was kind of reading up about the production of this movie, uh, apparently the actress who played Nicole and Cluzo, like, fought relentlessly part of the reason that Cluso sort of like hated her performance is because she knew the ending and was kind of playing to that. I kind of agree with him. I think she kind of overplays her hand when it comes to- So
1: you, did you, you read, read that prior to seeing the film?
0: No, I read it after the fact. Oh, so okay. When I was watching, because I, I, she seemed, she was shady the whole time. I, I just felt like, I had it underlined, seems shady. uh um, oh. Like that, so uh, that's what kind of, Ticked me off, uh, like clued me into what was happening, and then when they didn't find the body, that's when I was like, okay, well, this is they're 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 bullshitting her. Um, not that I, I mean, I I enjoyed this. uh, This is actually the first time I've ever seen it.
1: Um, Yeah, I I did not see the conspiracy angle. I was unsure. I did not see. I did not think it was so clear cut that it was a conspiracy between Nicole and uh, Michelle. I mean there was the is it I knew, supernatural is it not I, I mean I yeah I, I did not uh, see that specific ending coming personally
2: Well I knew there was going to be a twist of some sort I but, did too but I um, didn't know that would be it With that well with that lady being shifty I guess my brain sort of like just gave her a pass on it because she's French and I was like oh maybe she's just being aloof and weird and a little abrupt and I was like oh, okay well I guess she was actually a a, a a Columbo villain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Well, the whole plot itself is pretty Columbo too, you know, like the, the bathtub mechanism and then the whole thing of throwing him in the pool. It is very uh, Columbo-esque. Uh, well, no, but I actually I actually quite like this film. I, I, like I said, I, I've only seen, because mm-hmm. my only experience with this movie was like my first year in semester one of film school. And it was like we we never it, when you're when we were that early we didn't watch the whole movie we would just watch like snippets and this was like the French New Wave discussion or whatever so showed clips of this Alphaville you know that kind of stuff um, so it, I've never actually seen the whole film but um, boy you said Hitchcock buddy and that is I mean this is
1: very well, like kind of like a Hitchcock film there's actually, a few yeah I, I mean one Hitchcock apparently bid for the rights to this novel. He wanted to make this this particular, well, a, a movie based on the novel at the very least, which has a few differences between the final product. Um, and you can see why, like it's very Hitchcockian and people do call this guy like the French Hitchcock. Sometimes they, they both expressed admirations for each other in their lifetimes. Um, but to the degree that Hitchcock went ahead and bought the team who wrote the novel, he bought their next book, which he turned into Vertigo. And then mm. that same writing team wrote a movie that Chris has talked about enjoying, Eyes Without a Face.
2: It's one of
1: my favorites. Yes. So it's the same writing team who wrote the novel wow. that this is based on and Vertigo is based on. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. That's okay.
2: Well, you get a point. You did more research than me. You get a point, Mike, good sir. Uh, also, while I'm uh, talking about research, uh, slight mistake, um, the gentleman was not married to Edith Piaf. He was simply dating her for a while, and I'll take it. specifically, he was a singer. And she was like, "You know, you're really not good at singing. You should try acting." And then he got this role. And he fell in love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's it's very thriller-esque, like Hitchcockian, sort of thriller. Um, but I mean, you know, they're kind of contemporary. So, I mean, is it really Hitchcock or did they kind of bounce off each other? Who knows?
2: Uh, well, they have a couple things in common hmm. and, and I, I assume one of you guys are going to bring this up, but it's how they treated actors.
1: Sure. They both did have problems with uh, treating actors and particularly actresses, hmm. uh, poorly.
2: hmm mm-hmm. The fish was really rotten. That's the thing.
1: There's, it's a movie where
2: they just have to act, but the fish was actually a rotten, gross old fish, which, there's nothing, it's such a small part in the movie, and they don't really focus on the fish very closely, so the fact that it was rotten, I wouldn't have noticed, and I don't think the audience would have realized either. So it just seems like a very strange, abusive thing to do to your actors.
0: I thought that oh. that whole scene was pretty strange to begin with because there's this moment uh, this this movie what I liked about it was that it's very meticulous and detail oriented uh from the blocking and the and the camera direction and the 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 art direction or whatever but like there's this strange moment where she's eating the fish and all the kids suddenly just like snap and look at her And it's a very odd and eerie tone to draw and and I mm. thought, I don't think Hitchcock would do stuff like that 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 seemed a little bit more of a uh arty more of an artistic thing that i i don't i can't see hitchcock blocking like that um so this that that struck a weird chord for me and the fact that it was actually rotten makes it a little weirder to me because like it's almost like it's almost like he was trying to torture
1: her
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it seems like the director might have actually been trying to torture the actress which was which his, is wife. his wife
1: right but uh yeah it's worth noting yeah there's a few things that are briefly like if, we, if I can mention a few things I learned about the production and in regards to how he treated some of the actresses in particular. Um, first, uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the summary, at one point they say Marcel is 34 years old. This man is not 34 years old. He was in his mid-40s when they shot this. I don't know why that line was in there. But um, regardless, the original novel is different in that the person who is killed, killed in the bathtub, is the wife, killed by the mistress and the husband, who want to start a new life together and collect on her insurance policy. And the twist at the end is, in fact, that the mistress and the wife put this all together to kill the husband because they were in love and wanted to run off together. Now... This was changed not because it seems more fun. It does seem more fun. And it was changed not because Bound, uh, the, Wachows- the Wachowski's. Bound is actually genuinely like inspired heavily by this movie. Um, but this was changed not because it was not allowed in France in the 50s. There was no Hayes code. So theoretically, they could have made that movie. Um, but because the director wanted a role for his wife and thought she couldn't play the Nicole role. She didn't think he didn't think she had the acting strength or the you know, aggressiveness to play that role convincingly. And he didn't want her to play the wife who dies at the beginning and then shows up only at the end. So he switched it around and added the boarding school aspect, which is actually a really good aspect of the movie. Um, But the actress who plays Nicole, he didn't want her to steal the limelight. So he would often like light her face less. There's a lot less shots of her by herself. Um, She was signed on for eight weeks of work. She ended up doing 16. She only got paid for the eight because she didn't read the fine prints. Um, yeah. Uh, they did not care for each other, as Chris noted. One of the reasons mm-hmm. is um, briefly, this is, I just read about this director. So this is just like something from his past. When he was younger, he was trying to break into the industry. Guy was, he had TB he was trying to be a screenwriter. He was in the hospital for like five years, couldn't sell a script. He was dirt poor. He was actually trying to sell lyrics to Edith Piaf at a certain point. Um, he was anti-Nazi. He saw what was happening in Germany and was like, I don't like this and all that shit. He had, his career got hurt by having a Jewish car- uh, friend. But by the time the Nazis had taken over France, he was dirt poor. And there was a guy in this film film, company that was in collaboration with Vichy and the nazis who remembered him and was like i can offer you a job and he didn't want to work take this job but he was so poor he's like fuck it i'll take it he never made any nazi propaganda as far as i can tell he made a movie about someone sending poison letters based on a real story that the Vichy government hated the catholic church hated and the left who who were against the fascists in, the, in france all hated for different reasons I don't think it was even political. I think it was just a thriller, um, but it was like everybody found a reason to hate this movie, even though it was a big success and it was what started his career. And after the war, he was for a time banned from making film because of his collaboration with this Nazi group. A bunch of people um, like came to his defense, including Jean-Paul Sartre, who would later defend like the Rosenbergs and stuff uh, and other really famous um like really famous uh, uh, directors like Jean Cocteau and uh, Marcel Carnet, like all these people came to his defense and they eventually flipped the decision and allowed him to make movies again. But this actress who was like a Jewish activist who played Nicole still hadn't really forgiven him for it. And that was part of the reason they didn't really get along because he did technically profit from like a Nazi film production company. It's how he got his career started.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so, that was a continental, I believe is what it was. It was a, uh, a Nazi-owned, German-owned French production studio during the war. I think it was like the only one that existed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, that's sort of the, the, the interesting part in film history with Italy and France uh, post-war, is there is still kind of this reckoning. Like Italy has a lot more like, I wanna say like guilt and shame sort of in their movies like, you know, Bicycle Thief and-, mm-hmm, and Sure. With with French new wave in the 50s, it was very uh, kind of conflicted. You know, there was a lot of secrets and a lot of like, cuz France itself was kind of embroiled in a mini war within a war, you know? Um, sure. Um, so that's what I've always found interesting. And, and, and what I also like about post-war Europe cinema talk, uh, post-war cinema is they highlight the buildings a lot more than they used to. Like there's a lot more highlighting of, they actually go to locations and they actually like show it and, and kind of demonstrate the the lines and they use what they have. Like it pro- I think it's a lot more effective in something like the bicycle thief where everything's kind of ravaged and shitty. Um, and,
1: or uh, famously in, um, you know, the third man makes use of like post-war sure, Italy. And,
0: and, mm-hmm. that, and, and, and Carol Reed and, and you know, the kind of beginning of American Noir kind of mirrors this era because they're both kind of post war kind of reckonings, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and and this that's that's interesting about Cluzo though, because I didn't know that. Um that's but it makes sense too, because like he you would think that there would be there would be some sort of guilt or shame kind of woven into these movies about kind of feeling bad about it. I mean, Wages of Fear, I can imagine, kind of has a little bit of that. Um, I still have to see that original movie, but I mean... It's, it's good.
2: It it doesn't have... It's it's a good movie uh, for its own reasons. It feels very much like this one, but okay. I would say it doesn't have as much guilt as much as sort of everyone involved is an anti-hero. Okay. Mm. So it's one of those things where it's like... Uh, you as an audience might judge the people involved, but the people involved do not judge themselves at all. Okay. And They're there is, completely fine with their own you could argue, sense of moral questionable. Yeah,
1: stuff. There is, I mean, if there is this idea in this movie, certainly Christina, I think, embodies this idea, and maybe some characters in Wages of Fear, I think they probably do, um, this idea of doing something you are not necessarily morally comfortable with out of desperation. And that would seem to... To mm-hmm. mirror his choice to work with continental films. So there is that.
0: That's that's a good point too. That's a very good point. And it's kind of it's telling that he makes the <laughs> the Jewish actress be the the anyway. Um yeah, I, I that's why and also think it's interesting that Christina herself is actually a she's from Venezuela or some shit. Like she's not the character's like she, not all the way French or something. Like she's well, like her, they, comes from a wealthy family, but they're from Central, like Central America or something.
2: I'll, I'll I'll point something out. Vera Clouseau is French and Brazilian, okay. and she looks very French to me. But in this one and in Wages of Fear, he has her play someone that is explicitly from a different country, like from South America, or in this case, where they said she's from South America. Okay. It it felt odd to me because it seemed like they made a big deal out of that. Like, saying she's from Caracas and a bunch of things and you're like okay yeah, I mean it's interesting as a character thing but it it's is
0: because like if I'm looking at this in like a post war kind of the end of hopefully the end of nationalism although in France that didn't really happen um but it it it's interesting that the the victim of the movie is a foreigner um yeah. I find that an interesting choice um i i i you know like it, it, it's i think part of her struggle and part of the kind of struggle with kind of watching this movie is the the dialogue and this might be the translation. I mean, I I, I can't <laughs> say one way or another.
1: There are some strange lines.
0: Yeah, and 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 not so much strange that like it's thought provoking. It's sort of and and again, this could be the translation. We watched it on HBO Max. Um, I'm assuming everybody here did, or Boar probably has a fucking.
1: Crazy no, movie. I watched it. Uh, okay. HBO Max. Uh, I, I I shelled out the small amount to Amazon Prime because for some reason on HBO Max for me, it was not syncing right. Hmm. Like the audio was out of sync and I tried to oh, restart wow. the app. I tried to restart it and the audio was slightly out of sync and I was like, I can't watch it like this. It's
0: a bullshit <laughs> HBO Max anyway.
1: But yeah. One, go ahead. And, and a divergence in terms of this victim being, you know, obviously a foreigner. One other divergence from the book, which obviously the circumstances are different. In the book, they get away with it. Like the two women get away with it; they don't get caught by any detective. That I, I was an of, addition. For- that that
0: makes yeah. sense because of how tacked on, you know, Colum- uh, French Columbo comes in and just like, well, yeah. off to jail with you. You know, like it, it feels it, like the psychologist
1: and yeah. Psycho, like this and Psycho, yeah. are, are very much yeah, 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 like yeah. similar. And I think that those two things are like little things that root, that detract from the films both for me, which I think are both you know. It's it's I agree with that because it feels like it's the
2: author insert character to show moralization happening. Right. It's like it's the same thing that happens it's they're not good books but when you read the later Hannibal books like Hannibal goes from being oh my god he's eating people he's a monster to oh well he's getting at that one guy who did something bad when he was hunting. Sure. And it suddenly becomes this weird like he starts to become dexter bingo where it's like oh he's a he's a terrible monster but there's a moral underpinning and he's got a you know it's like the no women no kids like killer and it's like yeah this doesn't seem right it just seems like this should be a fun movie about ladies getting away with murder it seems like that's a way better story to me
0: i i even if it was still the husband and the mistress like i think the lesbian aspect would be more interesting i agree with that yeah. but I, I even if it was the husband and the mistress getting away with it i would have been fine with it but really i mean it's literally the the reveal happens and then it's, enters Colombo. like it's, it's truly
1: mm-hmm. just one more thing right like, yeah
0: it is it's 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 so that felt that didn't ring all that true
1: and that i felt, did not care for that choice yeah,
0: I, I think borf's absolutely right that this was a way for the filmmaker to say see consequences everybody Everybody has to face the consequences, um and you didn't really need to do that because anyway um i i i and plus you know it this isn't the best murder idea i don't you know like there are, there's got to be a
1: sure yeah this, it was yeah you know. i think it i th- and i think it would be i don't know like i think it probably would be an interesting rewatch to like see I, I think this is a movie that would be fun on a second viewing because you fully knowing what's happening the whole time, seeing if you could pick out. Uh, not only the Mr. X on the part of the filmmaker, but the Mr. X on the part of Nicole a little more Mm -hmm. strongly. There's early on before the body doesn't, you know, right after they kill him. I think that because the first part of the movie isn't particularly horror. I think this movie has like phases. This this movie has moments of kind
0: of spooky and, and unsettling, especially at the end. I mean, it's a very, the end is a big climax. It's very cool.
1: The um, end is where it gets the horror title but more yeah, than anything. The getting part is
0: very mm-hmm. much like *Strangers on a Train*. It's, yeah. it's 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 just kind of more of a thriller, really.
1: And then there's yeah, the part where they're transporting the body in the wicker basket verges on screwball. There's a it, it becomes a little His neighbor, noirish at points. Are-
2: yeah. It reminded it, me a lot of like the trouble with Harry, like when they're just trying a, to get rid of the body and it keeps yeah.
0: getting moved Hitchcock different places. Do you think we can name in this episode guys?
1: <laughs> but uh, it's, I, I think it's a little noirish. ish um, I think that there's some interesting misdirects in the sequence where they kill and move the body. Because I think there's things you're supposed to think are going to matter that are red herrings like, Oh, the, the neighbors heard the pipes and noticed yeah. the heavy box. And right. then the gas station person was like, oh, they, you know, had this box and there was water coming. And you think like maybe the detective is going to be like, ah, I, I'm going back to this location and this location and putting it together. No, that stuff doesn't matter. Right. It's yeah. just a misdirect to like uh, lean on the- even that moment where they take
0: the, the, the wicker thing out with the body in it and the car does it's like, it really cuts close to the shocks going- Bruh and you're yeah. like okay somebody saw them with a really low driving car is gonna f- call the cops you're done um you know that so yeah that's a that's another interesting uh yeah uh, trick that the movie does on you I, I,
2: I gotta i gotta ask about one of those though because they do a lot of stuff where it's like especially when the ladies first show up at the place and the one lady seems nervous and you're like why is she nervous and then you realize they're talking about a murder they've planned after it starts happening but there's a weird moment in there why is he so afraid to fall asleep because well, he's
0: drugged, he I'm thinking, so he doesn't really know well I mean
2: anyway yeah but he, we don't know how I mean, really he's drugged acting, he is though yeah. I mean he could be acting but he's just like I'm sure he's, don't fall asleep he's probably yet. not
1: drugged at all that's probably
2: true it's just really strange because it's like he knows what's going on like he's in on this whole thing so him sitting there going I don't want to fall asleep it's like you yeah, I mean you're gonna be playing sleepy time for the rest of the movie until you get up out of the tub I don't know It seemed odd to me.
1: I think he's just trying. I think he's probably just trying to like hammer home, like, because he was immediately like, "Oh, I feel dizzy. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm sure he's just trying to be like, play up, like, oh, it's working. You know, Mm. I'm really getting drugged right now, guys." But but,
2: but he was alone in the room when he said that. It was a it was a shot of just him by himself when they were fucking around with the uh, the tub. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Maybe he thought they heard it in the next room, or he was staying Mm -hmm. in character. Who knows? Okay.
2: Neighbor beating on it with a shoe.
1: I, I like the neighbors
0: i did too i thought they were very funny i thought the guy was just like writing in his little notebook at ten oh five 05 started mm-hmm. and yeah what is with the pipes in post-war europe my lord that was like
1: I, now that, and the and drains the drains no are shit. insane
0: it's like it's like a uh you know you have to get a, a it's like a generator and yeah
1: wow i mean a drain isn't even that complex of a mechanism it's no. just Water going down a gravity. hole. I don't know why it's the, so the goddamn loud. Does, uh, does did they make it? work? Did they design the drain like a trumpet horn? So it like. Uh, I mean, the only time I've heard
2: of drains or like pipes making that much noise is with the water heater that's on the Fritz. So mm-hmm. I could understand like a loud water heater no, they want because it. that'll It'd sometimes. Be in, in yeah, yeah. Water, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Yeah, I, I. It's it's it's
0: strange to be. It, it almost. It, it almost like that was intentional. Like he wanted it to be the loudest damn thing. It reminded me of a Lynch film almost like where mm. we'll use like these audio cues and like exacerbate them to the point of being almost inhuman or alien. Um, and that's what this kind of felt like to me. It's kind of touching on that where it's 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 using that kind of, I would say unrealistic, but hey, I, I've never been to France in 1950s. In what so the fuck do I know? Plus all the cars seemed like way up out of, uh, not, they were real, uh, anachronisms. It seemed like was yeah. the film was the book supposed to take place in the 1950s, Zach, or is it take place? Uh, in
1: like- let me see what it was written. I, I think okay. it was supposed to take place at the same time it was written. It was, you know, uh, I think it was a relatively new book because, okay. as they say, like, uh, both Hitchcock and um, Clouseau were like both bidding for this book, so I think it was a fresh. A newly written book. Uh, and, um, it's, it's in 1952 that okay. the book came out. Okay. Uh, and I think it is it does play, take Post place in take quote place present in day. Contemporary.
2: Okay. Well, with, with their cars, it would be acceptable to believe that they would all be shitty old cars because they go on constantly about how poor they are. That's
0: right. Yeah. And and you know, everyone's still rebuilding.
1: And that's and that's I think an interesting thing too, is Nicole like there are you can infer that she is having, There are like references to her financial issues. Like she has this couple bordering in her place. Clearly like she's in somewhat dire straits, which itself is a bit of a clue to, uh, to the ultimate reveal in the end of the film.
0: It was also, again, I, I found it remarkable that because Cluzo and, and this actress fought because he showed her the ending and he literally told her like, I wish I would have never showed you the fucking ending. Cause, and I, I, I think he's right. I think she overplayed her hand when it came to the kind of shadiness, even with her neighbors. Like she's so, I don't want to say aloof, but she's so inhuman. And you could almost feel like she's toying with Christina. Like you could almost feel this sort of poking at her. And I I don't know why I caught onto that.
1: There's early. one scene in particular. I, I, I don't think it bothered me. I thought she was just like a very cold, pragmatic, like I'll do whatever it, like, cause she was already like, I'm going to murder somebody like she was the one pushing to murder. So I didn't need a second layer where she's like, I'm actually pushing for a different murder. It's like, no, she's, you know, she's still a murderer in either scenario. Um, yeah, but, but there is that one scene where she's like, where Christina is talking about her guilt and Nicole and she, and she was like, are you sure he was dead? And Nicole's like, you should know you killed him like straight up. Like, (laughs) You know, you're the one that's going to go down for this if shit goes sideways.
0: <laughs> it's almost like a who's on first bit, too, because they're like, well, you're the one who turned on the bath. Well, you're the one who put on the statue. Well, you're the one who put on the shower mm-hmm. curtain, you know, like yeah. it just this constant uh, digression of walking through uh, the crime. Um, and it, it's it's it, it was strange. But it I, I actually kind of liked the idea of, you know, it is it reminds me this is a a movie uh kind of combining two other sources one being gaslight and the other being uh telltale heart you know because that you if you think of the corpse being this this body at the bottom of the floor and this beating noise and the fact that her heart is weak i thought was a pretty dead giveaway on that comparison as well sure it um, makes sense
1: you know i think um, that's good i think that's uh hmm. i'll give you a point for for that i think hey, that's a right? well observed yeah, a couple I, of it's, influences it's The
0: kind of literary influence I'm I'm kinda of going with. But uh yeah. cinematically the influences are are I I think unparalleled. I think this is a really meticulous uh shot movie. The way that Cluzo frames all of his pictures in this movie is really interesting. Um I mean he was way over schedule. I mean it was supposed to be an eight week shoot, like Zach said, and he went he doubled that. Um and I, and, and I don't know why, because it's not like this seems like all that complicated of a production, but when you watch it, considering how everything is layered in the shot, there are lines everywhere. Christina is always behind a bar or near bars. There's this wall around her all the time. Nicole is like you say, kind of always in kind of a shadow, half shadow, um, the way that they take the picture and you're supposed to see him. I even thought like, they're gonna, they're gonna arrange for Michelle to be in that picture. Mark my words, and then lo and behold, it happened. Um, so I even tried to freeze frame it to try to see it. I couldn't see it until you actually see the close up, and it was cool because it's not really, it, it's, it's enough. It's ambiguous, piece, but yeah, but it's cool, and it kind of it gives that uh, eerie, kind of almost supernatural feeling. And then the ending, when he's crawling out of the bathtub, um, is such a that's really well done. You know, and and what I also I found. Yeah really interesting is that the opening credits of the film it's got this really cool finally guys we have a new horror movie in 19 before 1959 with some fucking heavy organs in it Um, Uh like i was really impressed with that and then they didn't do anything with it like nothing it's there's no soundtrack to this film it is just quiet french talking
1: there was a I, i read the roger ebert review of this and it ended with and i do think like more than any other hitchcock film i do think this one like has a lot in common with psycho. It's got the twist. It's got the weird add on at the end. It's got, uh, I mean, some people think that the shower scene is directly like a response to the bathtub stuff. in this there's even, they even have murky water as a the thing they focus on during one of the credit sequences. But uh, at the end of the Roger Ebert review, there was an anecdote about somebody who came up to Hitchcock apparently and said, Diabolik made my daughter afraid of bathtubs, and this movie made my daughter afraid of showers. So, what the hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> and he said something like send her to the dry cleaners, but uh,
0: <laughs> take her in back, you use a hose. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. I and that's it. it this I movie, mean, I think, uh, what what do you think this movie would look like if Hitchcock did this? Do you think he would do the changes that Cluzo did to the book, or who would he try to? Because I mean, he kind of hints at with rope because in rope, there's a there's sure. An implied homosexual relationship,
1: well, part of the problem is, at the time Hitchcock would have made it, he would have been probably operating in what? Amer- he would have been operating in America, and the Hayes Code would have still been active. So I don't think he would have been able to do a gay romance. He yeah. could imply it, but I don't think he could do it explicitly. I I also
2: don't know how much he would go for it, um, just because he's. Uh, in real life, he was not the most woke person. He was very sort of provincial and uh, very Catholic in his views on things. Think more Winston Churchill. (laughs) Yeah, so like uh, when he did The Lodger, I think he connected the main character and that is being gay because if I'm remembering this correctly, he made the argument in the Truffaut book that the manacles that are used at the end are sometimes used in gay subculture, and I was like, uh that seems like a weird take hitchcock (laughs) um but uh yeah i yeah yeah. well i like what do you guys think this one has inspired because i think like definitely devil's backbone has borrowed from this one a lot especially for the ghost parts
1: yeah i i I think that makes a lot of sense um i I think there's bound earlier i mean that bound sure pretty much a pretty direct uh what lies beneath has some bathtub horror that i could see possibly (laughs) coming from from this thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: spousal murder um yeah uh, the the classic film where harrison ford opens a window and says i think we can take him meaning he and michelle pfeiffer can have louder sex than the neighbors such (laughs) a classy movie (laughs) movie? Um, yes
1: (laughs) but I, i think this movie probably has soft influences on a a lot of movies some of which may not even know necessarily that this is part of what inspired them like i think that the evolution of the stuff that starts here is probably pretty profound and long reaching if you you could probably write a thesis on it
0: you very much could i mean this is why they teach it in film school is because like they, they this movie as I said, the the details behind it and the cinematography is really amazing. Like it's, I, I really enjoyed it as far as painting with black and white and the art direction of how specific it is and everything is very meticulous and cool. Um. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It influences things that it doesn't even know it's influencing and people being influenced. But Zach, uh, Chris, I think you know what it influenced because they remade this movie. Oh they did. Uh, with with Sharon Stone and uh uh terry uh, Palminteri and uh, directed by Jeffrey Chentik.
2: Uh-huh and uh is Isabella Ajani.
0: Yes. Uh, and yeah. uh, none of us unlike normally we try to do our homework but we decided
1: I I I looked up fast. uh the 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 review score was low um on this one. Uh I listened to like a like a some people a short thing of people talking about it in the on like a podcast called Queer Horror, and they liked it a little more. They I mean they liked it more than the review score would imply, at least. Um, but uh there is notable changes, uh, most notable most strongly to the ending. Uh so there is still a detective character. Uh that character is played by Kathy Bates instead of uh this Shigara chomping. And by the way, I really As much as we ragged on the detective character in the original, I loved loved the performance. Like this, awesome. He was great. Yeah, he's He's got like a a half a mostly dead Stogie in his mouth, one hundred percent of the time. He's great. He
2: he is also he's also one of the really good parts in Wages of Fear. Like when he shows up, you'll see it in that. It's a very different character, but he's also a high point in that movie.
1: Yeah, and there's like things like obviously there's other things we didn't mention that they gaslight him on, like they have his uh, uh their cell suit sent back from the dry cleaners at one point and it's the suit he died in so at one point he's like snooping around he's like what was he wearing oh you remember the tie super well that he was wearing oh is it this suit that he was wearing <laughs> like it's this whole sequence um but uh anyway uh they also find i forgot to mention his his empty sex hotel room i guess but that's besides the point um but- yeah yeah uh,
2: anyway I just remembered that yeah they don't really go anywhere with it she goes there she finds it they don't reveal anything He has a tendency. To, it's just he has location. a tendency
1: to stay out late right yeah. so I assume he uses it for I don't know aff- more affairs how many women is this guy getting I, he's not that I attractive. mean he's French yeah yeah, yeah right.
2: <laughs> This could be what led to that whole thing about Frenchmen. Uh, That is actually one thing that's really uh, fun in this. I should say fun exactly, but I found fascinating for this time period. The fact that the wife and the mistress had a relationship, meaning they were talking to each other, not like romantic, but it was, a, I would say, not super warm, but an almost amicable level of we're both stuck in this this abusive guy. Exactly. I think the idea initially...
1: The initial idea is that they're supposed to commiserate because they're both involved with this horrible tyrannical monster. Even though eventually it becomes clear that to some degree Nicole is manipulating her. Um, but yeah, I think that's initially the idea. It's commiseration.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of interesting too to kind of see that because you know in Wages of Fear there's this kind of brotherhood through adversity. You know, like strife is what bringing them together. So yeah, I think that this is kind of a similar relationship. It's it's different, obviously, because they don't have they're not driving a truck of nitroglycerin, but uh, sure. that same kind of dread and danger is still a problem. But I mean, apparently, so what? Do you think that like Michelle just like okay, here slap you across there? Now everyone's going to think that I'm abusing you because I mean, how much was that a gaslight? How much of him?
1: I think Nicole? that probably saw. I think it was probably to win trust a little bit, okay. um, and I think that I do think that Nicole seemed much less likely to put up with his shit exactly. than Christina was. In fact, I couldn't, I wouldn't imagine, like, let's say they didn't get caught and the story went on three or four years down the line, <laughs> Nicole, <get> it, yeah. <laughs> Nicole, like going ahead and killing him anyway, uh, not out of the question. In my opinion. I, you know. yeah.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think that, um yeah, it it's, 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 it's kind of cool. And that's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, the way the movie kind of pieces out how it makes you, the audience member, kind of put it together, like the Sex Hotel, like it doesn't see, lay out exactly how Michelle and Nicole pull this off. But by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, okay, now I see. He was staying at the hotel, and he was
1: see. The, I think, I think, yeah, I think the, if the, I
0: the shower cover so he could dip his nose up and he could sure. breathe, you know, like this, it, which it is all, clever. It's, yeah, no, that those are the best kind of twist endings. The best kind of twist endings are the endings that you should have seen coming. Yeah. that those are the, the
1: best and kind of twist endings. Twist endings were not super common yet in 55, no. I imagine. Um, but uh I, I also think, yeah, if I had to rework the ending of this, I think the most satisfying one in some regards would be not only do they get away with it, maybe in that coda, not only is there that little lingering thing about Christina being a ghost, because I think that's fun, but maybe there's a mention that like. Oh, it's so sad that, uh, Michelle died just after the died on the honeymoon or something like that. Like, I think that would be a hilarious joke in and of itself. Um, but let me, let me briefly say what's different in the, in the 96. In the remake. Version. Okay.
0: Right. 1996.
1: Uh, okay. So up till close to the end, it's the same, right? They get the Christina character who, uh, who is in this version, Mia, uh, to find him in like the, the, the bathtub, he comes up and she loses consciousness. Right. And she seems like she has her heart attack. Nicole arrives, but she, Nicole's not totally on board with the plan in this one. She's like, ah, oh, I don't know if we should have done this. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when she looks at Mia's body to confirm her death, she realizes Nicole only passed out and didn't die. So then um, basically having changed a change of heart, um guy has to end up attacking both of them right they manage to fight and get him down to the pool where they successfully drown him together and the detective shows up and uh is like i'm willing to cover for you guys and say this was all self-defense and put it under the rug yeah. so that all the yeah that
2: seems that seems pretty farcical to me
1: the only yeah.
0: way I could, here's, you know, because, like, as I'm watching this, I sort of felt the same way about uh, Sorcerer and probably Wages of Fear. It's a good enough movie that it probably could be remade and made well. Um, it doesn't sound like that. would it? Like, you could definitely imagine the Coen brothers taking a swipe at this and probably fucking nailing it. Um, but I don't think the twist ending would play as well these days because, like, I I just don't think, I think people would see it coming a mile away, and I don't think
1: it would be For really sure. to people. And I uh, think there's, there's another... Um... There's another TV movie version of this starring Sam Waterston uh, uh Waterston as the uh Michelle character called Reflections of a Murder. I think is maybe more or less act, uh hmm. faithful to the original film. Okay. Hmm. From 1970.
2: There might have been like a there might have been like an attempt to like make the inspector be kind of a cool like helpful person because they did that a little bit at the time there was like fried green tomatoes where they cover up a murder and a bunch of other stuff where you know it's essentially a police officer going "Eh, it's okay um but it's almost it's always seems strange to me because it seems like the john hughes thing where they don't really hold people accountable and it's just like the cop comes in and says oh well even a cop would understand that this person's a criminal so he's gonna look the other way and it's like i
1: yeah they're not white so
2: yeah
1: <laughs> a cop would clearly get that
2: yeah, 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 a lot of uh <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that might be a key reason why a lot of that stuff happens in those movies
0: yeah and and that's why i i i this movie's kind of cool in that respect from an, not just an academic sense, but I did enjoy it. um if you have the stomach for French films, I mean like it it is very much a French film, whereas it is going to be people talking in French and saying things in French and that is the movie um yes. it's they not a lot of action there's a lot of
1: yes, a french film in the sense uh not not in the sense of ratatouille which is no, of course no. just a film that takes place in <laughs> france <laughs> right
0: or the french connection which really has nothing to do with anyway um yeah yeah, yeah so it, it was fun to kind of tackle this era i love this era of post
2: yeah. europe it's it's very cool. i'll say this one is a hell of a lot more exciting than last year of miriam bowed which is what I would example as like a French movie, where it's literally just people being French, talking in rooms about being French for hours, and no one does anything. In this one, there're deaths, and there's bodies that get hidden, and it's a and lot a, more fun
0: and a, and a spooky. I will say though, I mean, it's, considering this is the last one of the of the of the horror movies, one, this is probably the only one uh, that's even close <laughs> to uh, to being because like I I gotta say, guys, when it comes to the scaries. Uh, This round, I don't think we brought it. You know, I I think we kind of whiffed on 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 the scaries. Um, uh, A little bit. Some are, you know, more absurd and
1: it's hard. Goofy. Uh, The definition of scary, uh, you know, it's hard to pin down in this early era. Like even if we had gone with, uh, I mean, I think Nosferatu obviously is a horror film, and I think that holds up to some degree. But many films from this era, the Universal classics. I watched those when I was like five years old, and I loved them. Loved them. Um, loved them. Loved them. My they're not scary now. Yeah, they're not. They're not very frightening for a, yeah. for a modern person, and, and, even a modern five year old. That was, five-year-old. That was even scary. a five year old in nineteen ninety three. Right. Whatever. Yeah,
0: Bela Lugosi's Dracula wasn't all that scary. It was just cool. Yeah. Um But. It, 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 even so, I try when I when I was doing when we were doing this round. It was really a lot of work for me to try to put myself in a position as an audience member at that time to allow myself. And it's to be kind of scared. Or and it's worth. That this was I,
1: I think I think you and I at least. I think Chris got hoodwinked. Is the problem with <laughs> yeah, the first round? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's true, that's true. I got hoodwinked by my own memory that was not correct about a movie that was not named correctly. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, fun story listener, Zach went to a uh, exhibition and actually saw a- Museum
1: of Contemporary Art in Chicago.
2: Saw a cartoon that mentions how badly the names tend to get screwed up for Val Lewton movies. It didn't show Curse of the Cat People, but I expected that to be in there somewhere.
1: <laughs> you know, it was a really, it was a little comic, it was a comic strip that a Chicago artist who created about the career of this producer for Curse of the Cat People. And uh, he also did the original Cat People and I Walked with a Zombie and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things that was really interesting is, very early in his career, he went to David O'Selznick, and he was like, I don't think we should be focusing on this Gone with the Wind novel. I think we should be making War and Peace. And Selznick was like, "We've already chosen Gone with the Wind. Get out of here."
0: Selznick was never going to give up on that property.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't know and that. I thought we... that was I thought that was it an interesting a very bit good of trivia.
0: Book about Selznick that that is all about that whole journey and kind of what a like obsessive compulsive he was about that property.
1: Well, I'll bet the War and Peace movie would have aged better. I'll say uh, that. Uh, maybe. <laughs>
0: Probably.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um, Probably, I mean, they did eventually adapt *War and Peace* with like Audrey Hepburn and shit. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah. So I guess uh, we could. Uh, I, if you guys final judgment, final, final, Yeah. Final, we go to final thoughts. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll finish up *Diabolique* since uh, we got a vote and everything. Um, yeah, I really like this film. It was enjoyable. It, 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 it's one of those movies. I know I like movies, but I'm like, I really wish I could watch this on the big screen. I, I really like to, I think that this movie would be fucking awesome on the big yeah. screen. I really wish I could. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's one of those movies. It's sort of like, uh, you know, a tentpole movie that you didn't realize was really a tentpole movie. But there's a lot of influences going on uh, stemming from this movie. Um, more of a thriller than a horror, but it gets really spooky at the end that, that him in the bathtub.
1: The what, last that, sequence that, where that, she sees that that the figure. on mm-hmm. mm-hmm. unnerving from where the detective puts her to bed till uh the the point where he returns right is, that, is yeah. it's a really good sequence
0: <laughs> that that that's the closest thing that in this whole round that scared me so uh well done zach
2: yeah um i guess i'll go next i feel the same way uh this was a really fun one i've seen it many times now so it was nice to return to it um i You know, like you've heard us all say, I love the cinematography, I love the sound. Um, One of the things that I have always kind of liked about this is the fact that the end is a little ambiguous. It's very much tacked on. The kid is probably lying, but I love the fact that it ends with the ambiguity because to me this whole movie is about the ambiguity of is this a really supernatural thing or is there just some bullshit going on? You find out there's some bullshit going on, but they give you that little... That little nugget of maybe something is still spooky-ooky happening at the end. And I like that. I think that kid isn't lying because, you know, he was already standing there for six hours. I wouldn't lie about that again. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a, worth a watch.
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I didn't realize when I picked it. Actually, upon researching it, I think I've learned it's even more of a classic than I anticipated when I picked it. Um, I just saw it. I thought it sounded interesting based on the array of movies I had lined it up, it was different, it was foreign. I thought, what the hell, let's try something. And I was pleasantly surprised. I think that, uh, yeah, it, its it's effects are far-reaching. We talked about the things it influenced, I thought of one just a second ago. The reveal that there are two villains, in fact, one of whom you previously thought was dead, hey, that's very Scream. Um, but uh, I'll also say, I wish I had said this up front, I was going to. This is one where, yeah, I, I, uh, and I'm sure we will still have our normal warning, the spoiler warning more than normal for this one, because not <laughs> knowing the end can change how you watch this movie. Um, I don't know. I, like mm-hmm.
0: I said, I figured it out and I still enjoyed it.
1: You know, okay. I, I was, well, you you know,
0: I, maybe you, I enjoyed it. Cause I was
1: like, I was, I mean, it's, a, it's but a, not a, everybody's going to be like, I, uh, you know, I'm pretty
2: sure anyone listening this far in has already seen it, yeah. so I think the spoiler warning is a little late for
1: them. But it's okay; they'll they'll still I go enjoy it. I,
0: I would I would well, disagree with that, Zach. I think even with the spoiler warning, you could still this is still a pretty enjoyable film.
1: Yeah. Well, we might get a different spoiler warning, uh, spoiler alert coming up. So if, if we have it by this episode, maybe we could have someone saying, Hey, little devils, the spoiler warning is uh,
2: is especially
1: in effect this episode.
2: Uh, the robot lady might be changing. We'll see what happens.
1: So just be bonjour. <laughs> Sacre bleu. Beep beep. Mon dieu. Well. But yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, ultimately... Fun movie, really interesting. It was uh, a, a blind spot I didn't even know I had. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so I guess
0: uh, with that in mind, let's get to the voting. So how this is going to work, dear listener, is instead of the winner of this round picking a theme, they will get a free movie, a bonus movie that they get to inflict on us without any consequences or repercussions. Uh, last year, Borov took uh, full advantage of it with border and uh, (laughs) this year. So with that in mind for this theme, Chris Boroff, you have 12 points for final voting. I have 12 points for final voting and Zach powers. You have 13 points for final voting. Okay. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, let's get to it.
1: Okay. Now I gotta, now I gotta think.
2: Yeah. I, I have figured out my math pretty quickly.
1: Yes, that, that adds up to 13. Cool.
0: All right. All righty, so Chris Boraf, what do okay, you okay. for Curse of the Cat People?
2: For Curse of the Cat People, I gave it a three.
0: All righty. Three for Boraf on Cat People. Uh, I gave Curse of the Cat People a two. Uh, there was blatant false advertising in that movie. Yes.
1: Mm. Uh, well, I gave Curse of the Cat People a three. I think there's value in Curse of the Cat People. It was not suited for this round, but I think there is value in the film, and I don't want to over, over-penalize over
0: it. Yeah, that's that, fair enough. Um, okay, so that puts Curse of the Cat People at eight points. So, uh, I think that one's probably out. Chris Borreff, what do you got for the old, dank house?
2: The old, dank, dark house, I gave it a three, because I felt like being egalitarian about how I do the voting on these.
0: <laughs> um, I gave the old, dark house a four. Um, it was still pretty enjoyable, but I, I, I wanted to like it more than I was. I feel like the, 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 sum of, the whole was not greater than the sum of its parts.
1: Uh, I gave the old dank house a uh, a four as well. I liked it probably more than you two, and I probably would have considered you know stealing a point away from cat people to give to a dark house because they did like a lot of what whale did, but uh, ultimately landed on the four.
0: Fair enough. Okay, uh, Chris Borough, Les Diaboliques. I think we know what uh, it's gonna
2: win. yeah, for les, less Diaboliques. I gave it a six. I gave it a six because fuck it. It deserves a six.
0: uh, I hope this works out the way I'm saying it because this will be very appropriate. I too gave the Diaboliques a six.
1: It did indeed work out the way you hoped. I gave Diabolique a six.
0: The holy number. Excellent. Six across the board, which is the favorable winner by a mile. Zach Powers wins with uh, the devils. So, Zach... What have you got for us?
1: I know this is uh, tough. I I really uh, had a tough time trying to figure this out. The thing about our bonus episode where the winner picks a uh, movie, um, it's actually the episode we released closest to Halloween or this year and last year that was the case. It is indeed our most Halloween episode. So I figured pretty quickly I wanted something a little spooky scary, especially because this round was eh, maybe not so spooky scary. Um, I considered... Uh, you know, early, Chris lamented he didn't get to choose uh, Eyes Without a Face, and I considered it because it would be on theme. I've never seen it, and I do want to watch it this se- Halloween <laughs> season. Um, but we just watched French horror film. Yeah, I think it's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I-, I considered very late in the process the new film Malignant because I don't know much about it, but from what I'm seeing on Twitter, <laughs> it is fucking crazy. Um
2: People have been suggesting that one to me forcefully and I haven't given in yet.
1: Yeah, I probably will watch it, but I'll watch it of my own volition. The other one is, you know what, my friend, friend of the show, Brian Flynn, who joined us for Police Academy, you may remember, uh, suggested a movie I knew almost nothing about. I looked it up. The reviews were quite good. It seemed to me um, that came out last year that I genuinely hadn't heard of. And maybe you guys have. Maybe you already saw it. it seems to be a genuine horror movie it was released on netflix it's called his house and i never heard the first goddamn word about this seemed to get a pretty positive response from what i saw brian recommended it and i'm like you know what it's halloween i want to watch something new something spooky okay his house seems
2: like Any, any uh any brief you can tell us on what it is or is it something we should walk into completely unaware did Brian give you uh, any tips?
1: It's a spooky, it's a spooky house movie. I don't know. He didn't say much about it. It's a spooky house movie about a refugee family.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. Well, this will be
0: fun. We're all yeah. kind of going into this kind of like we're. we're
1: diving yeah, into I'm, a, giving a, us, I'm giving us, I'm giving us a round the board something that all I, right. I do not know. I do not know what's gonna how we're gonna feel about this.
0: And you know what? If there's no consequences, fuck it. You know, let's and yeah.
1: roll. Yeah, uh, I could have also gone with. Um, uh, House of the Devil, which is a very weird movie that I don't know if I like, but is interesting conceptually, but uh...
2: I, I, uh, yeah, I know that film um, the director's name like I have Ty him.
1: West, I think
2: Ty West, yes He that movie isn't as good as his follow-up like he yeah. did a movie called uh, The Innkeepers, which is
1: oh, I've seen al- The Innkeepers
2: almost a classic almost a classic, very good
1: Cool. Well, there you I, go. Honestly, but we're going to do I, his house. I, I'm mm-hmm.
0: surprised. Uh, I'm this, I'm actually surprised by this Big Zach. I mean, I kind of figured you were going to do more of a scarier movie just because. Listen. Of the, the I, I I honestly thought you were going to finally inflict uh, Black Christmas on Borov.
1: No, let's <laughs> right? save that for the season. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> uh, but I want to win
0: with that one, motherfucker. <laughs>
1: um, but no, no, no. Well, our Christmas episode doesn't have a winner. It's uh, you that's, know. That's
0: that's fair enough. Hey, eh? that's, right. um, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. All right. Um, um cool yeah but this will be this will be interesting to to do something completely blind and uh, a bonus movie so uh tune into the next time when we are gonna watch our bonus movie and then we're gonna thrust back into uh way back in the way back machine when i won the uh the movies from high school round with the clockwork orange uh when we Mm -hmm. do sports movies and we'll be watching paul newman's uh george roy hill's Slapshot which we have already covered on this podcast 10 years ago uh and we will do it again because I'm a sucker for Paul Newman um
1: okay Great. well I, I don't think I was even a member of the show when you guys did Slapshot <laughs> That's because fair. I have never fucking seen this movie right
2: yeah and I, I have really very little to, memory of it so yeah I'm excited really to go back and look I really chose that theme
0: just to make Borf's head spin to try to pick a sports movie um I, I can't wait to.
2: the one thing I know is that it's got, got a was
0: running man um
2: yeah you know, yeah, it, it has some crossover
1: with uh, Twin Peaks. That's the one thing I know about it. <laughs> or if it's going to be like, Logan's Run, it's right in the title. That's a
0: sport. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. No, the, the lowliness of the long-distance runner. and yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so uh, I guess with that, uh, this has been a fun, interesting Halloween time, and we're gonna continue with the spooky, scary uh, with his house on the next episode. So join us next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Movie Trap. Uh, for my co-hosts, I've been Russell Carlson, and he has also been Chris Borough.
2: I'm soggy. Get me out of this tub. <laughs> and my other co-host, Zach Powell.
1: Uh, rubber ducky, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thank you very much, everybody. And as we always say here on The Movie Trap, Diane Ladd is too young to be Chevy Chase's mom.
1: That's The Movie Trap promise. See you, guys. Une binoire. Diabolique. Un costume d'homme.
0: Diabolique.
2: Une malle en osier.
0: Diabolique.